Hello, and welcome to the Warm Podcast, where we discuss the current state and future of the music industry. We talk to some of the most interesting behind-the-scenes leaders, trendsetters, and entrepreneurs who are shaping the music business today. My name is Fabian, and on today's episode, we'll be talking to Scott Cohen. Scott co-founded the pioneering digital distribution company The Orchard back in the late 90s. He's also a successful artist manager as well as a respected public speaker, lecturer and commentator on the music business. He recently gave a very interesting talk at the Spot Festival in Denmark called The Music Industry is Broken and I Know How to Fix It. In it, he gave his thoughts on the current state of the music industry and some of the challenges and opportunities ahead in areas like streaming, voice recognition, virtual and augmented reality. Afterwards, I spoke to Scott and Jesper Skipsby from Warm about some of the key issues in his talk. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Okay, Scott, you gave a talk called um, The Music Industry is Broken and I Know How to Fix It. Uh, but you actually, it's a misleading title because you actually think that it's the best time ever for the music industry. Is that right? Yeah, it is the best time, but also I don't think the music industry has ever been broken. And the reason I said that title is because every week somebody walks into my office telling me the music industry is broken and I know the solution. I know how to fix it. And this year it's been I started a blockchain company and this is the solution for fixing it. And I'm thinking, but it's not broken you know, there's record labels that are successful, artists that are successful, music services that are successful. I don't know what the fucking problem is. Maybe it's a problem for you, but for us, it's great. And sure, there's always need for 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 more things, but I just call those opportunities. And you also, because there's a lot of talk about streaming services and how they're not really uh, profitable and not paying as much, but you don't really think that's a problem either. Yeah, I mean, listen... <laughs> Most people in the music business don't have a finance background. They're not bankers, they're not investors, and they don't even know how to evaluate a business. If I look at a company like Spotify, it's now the single largest source of revenue for the music industry. So it's paying out billions of dollars in royalties. So there's certainly not a problem from the label or content owner side from Spotify because it pays out. And if you're an investor and you put money in Spotify, I mean, it ha- it already had a $1 billion dollar valuation in 2011. By 2012, it had tripled to, to $3 billion. Um, and recently, it went public, and it's been trading between $25 and $30 billion dollars for its valuation. I don't understand what's the problem because somebody is so naive that they go, it doesn't make a profit. Well, it's in a growth stage in an emerging market and they would be fools to, to, to worry about making profit. They need to take the money that they have and plow it into expansion. That's the phase of their business. Um, so I think the services are doing amazing. Apple music, Amazon, Spotify, um, There is no problem, and nothing needs to be fixed. But but why but why do you think people are complaining? Is is that just because people always complain, or is it because uh, people are coming from another era of the business? No, I I think there's there's 
two kinds of complainers in the music industry. Those that have never been successful, like unsigned artists, and those that were once successful but aren't successful now. And both groups seem to blame it on something other than themselves. Um, a famous band from the 80s or 90s, and they complain they're not making... Uh, any money now, it's because nobody wants to hear their new album. I'm sorry, but they were probably the same way when they were teenagers, and there were bands that were 20 or 30 years into their career, and they didn't want to buy those artists. They bought new artists. And the unsigned bands, you know, they're complaining because they haven't made it, but you really should look at the successful people. When you want to know how is the industry going or getting advice, you should look at successful people. This is, this is in the music industry. I mean, do you want to take finance advice from a homeless person or somebody that runs a big corporation? Do you want to take medical advice from somebody that's suffering from a disease or a successful doctor? Um, do you want to take dieting advice from a obese person or somebody that's a fitness instructor? And so if I want to hear about the music industry, do I want to hear a complaining unsigned artist or some over the hill rock star? Or do I want to hear from people like Ed Sheeran? I don't hear him complaining or Justin Bieber or those boys in one direction or Rihanna or the guys at Spotify or Apple music or any one of the major labels. None of these people are complaining. They're the successful ones. Why the others get so much attention i don't know people like covering nonsense but maybe the music industry were the originators of fake news that the music industry is in trouble uh, nobody makes any money everything uh, that's fucking nonsense um, and if i may add uh, um, don't you think that we are in a place where where you know we see like 50,000 new songs on Spotify weekly at the moment. So obviously there's a lot of competition, there's a lot of music, there's probably also a lot of shitty music. But in any ter in any way there is a big competition. So as uh, don't you think it's also about people, independence, individuals uh, understanding, you know, their information or their data uh, or what to look for because for example, I see, you know, you know, some artists like, uh, uh, oh, my, my, my biggest city or the, the, the city I have most airplays in or plays in, uh, streams in, is, um, is Mexico. And then it's like, let's target Mexico. And I'm like, maybe that's not the right way to do it because you don't necessarily have a, a fan base in Mexico. Maybe you're been added to some playlist that happens to work very well in Mexico, but it doesn't mean that you have a fan base. So... I think it's also about that, you know, the individuals need to take responsibility of their data and also learning and understanding how to use it wisely. Yeah, I, I think that's 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 absolutely a huge part of it. I mean, the music industry has always been data-driven. So we looked at things like how many plays did you get on radio? How many units did you sell last week? What is your chart position? And taking this data and then doing something with it, knowing, oh, shit, I'm in heavy rotation on a radio station. I better manufacture more units and ship them out, and then I can do a tour. So, so, so we've always used data. Now we're in a time where the data is more sophisticated and the analytics around that data is more sophisticated. And we can't just look at how many plays did I get on Spotify? <laughs> you know, we, we have to get more sophisticated about how we're using the data. What are we using it for? You know, some, some people look at it and it's a nice graph and go, wow, that's great. But they don't know what to do with it. So we need 
actionable data, knowing some information, what are you supposed to do next? And I think that that's also a big gap in the market that, that even people at the top of organizations are still not sure what to do with the data that they're given. But don't you think that it's also like a new time where, you know, music is globalized and, you know, a, a, you know, a band in, in Stockholm could put their song on, 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 you know, SoundCloud, not even releasing it. And a radio host in a college radio in Toronto could find it and start playing it. So isn't it also something about that, that we see the, the whole market as one and then, you know, work the markets where it mo- makes the most sense i think you know the the majors and in general the music industry have been very based on you know specific countries and areas at at one time where i'm more like thinking if i release the song now and i send it out to a thousand stations across i don't know a hundred countries i just wanted to know where it connected so i can work in that field or in that area All right, but but what about um, like um, some of the challenges that are ahead? Because I've heard you talk about uh, stuff like voice activation and stuff like that. Can you talk about that? Well, okay. So so there's opportunities and there's challenges. So there's opportunities around voice activation, for instance. Um, you know, and that that's that's often around search and recommendation. You know, we think about what the music industry was not so long ago and how people discovered music. They would go to a record store and they would search for music alphabetically. A, ABBA, Aerosmith, right? B's, you know, and all the way through, you know, genre, then alphabetical. Explain that to a teenager now in, you know, a Spotify environment, an Apple Music environment where there is no genre and alphabetical order. There's just music and it's it's organized and categorized differently. But with that said, it's still presented to us visually so we can see a playlist. We can see the name of it. We can see the tracks. We can see the artists. It's much harder in a voice-activated world when you're asking somebody to tell the the system what do you want to hear and you know you get to you know the the notion of the paradox of choice where consumers demand an abundance of choice but when faced with with unlimited demand they freeze and so when you're staring at your alexa speaker and go alexa play me <gasps> You know, I, I don't know because you need something to prompt you. So it hasn't been solved yet. How 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 we're going to deal with voice activation for search and recommendation? You know, we could get even into things like um, naming a track or naming an artist might uh, be a business decision rather than an artistic decision because it might enhance your 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 chances of being searched or found rather. So calling your track uh, running or <laughs> might might bring it to this top of the list. So running hits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my new track is called running hits. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, so, 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 so these are, this is, you know, huge challenges that we have to face, but then there's opportunities around things like augmented reality and virtual reality and how we'll create music differently in these environments that it won't be the same where we take a song from that we've 
record it and then just drop it in those environments because it won't fit. We're going to need songs that are more dynamic, that, that speed up and slow down and change and morph because in those environments, it's very personalized and I need music to fit. For instance, like if you're playing a game, you need the music to match your activity in the game. You don't, you can't just have a song plunked in there. Mm. Well, you could, but that was, you know, back in the Atari days of the 70s, not anymore. Uh, you know, I think, you know, when we think about, you know, these things, how much of it is that it's monitoring what we're doing while we're not speaking into it. So we, we always think of the speaker as playing back. Now we speak to it, but it's also listening all the time. You know, maybe people are comfortable that Spotify's watching what you play, what you listen to, what you skip, what you save, what your friends like, what other music relates to it, right? So it's already tracking you based on your activity. And I don't think people mind too much. Um, usually it's scary at first when people think that they're being tracked, but honestly we are. Um, but what'll happen if, you know, it's watching what you say or listening to what you say and, and, you know, you go, Oh, I never liked that band. Okay. Ooh, it, it clocked that. Now I'll make sure, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, you know, or it, you know, it just monitors what you're, you're saying and maybe it starts to contextualize it so that you don't have actually have to actively say what you want to listen to, but because it's listening to what you're saying and knowing where you are and what you're doing based on your conversations and your environment, it starts recommending things. Especially something like mood as well, right? If, um, if you know, if, if, if your Alexa or something similar suddenly knows that you're, you know, eh in a tired mood or in a happy mood or whatever, or it's like you need something for the morning or you're, or you're in the gym or whatever. It's uh, I you were going to say sex, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 you know, if it doesn't know that you're in the mood for romance. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, right now, some of these things might seem, I don't know, to some people they might seem far-fetched, but I'm already at the point where I get frustrated when it doesn't, it can't tell what mood I'm in or what I want. Like, geez, can't you just see this is where I am? This is what I'm doing. Why do I have to put so much input in? Why can't you just deliver me what I want? And pretty soon I think it's going to start to happen. And, and people won't even recognize it until there's a moment when it's not happening or it's broken and you get really frustrated. Like, how does it not know? 